3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that did try to hint last week what was going to happen. This week on Heart and Hand, oh Christ, where do we start? <laughs> So welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by two guests at the same time. Um, We decided we would uh, do a reprise of last weekend's pod and uh, joining me first of all uh, from the, the East Coast, among the rugby loving types, is Mr Cameron James Bell. Good evening David, good evening. And uh, coming back, quickly, a bit, like, uh, a bit like Philip Senderos, we didn't see him for a long time and then suddenly we can't get rid of the fucker. Yes, it's Mr Ian Hogg.
1: Good evening all, back like the missing link that Philip is. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm not quite sure, the missing link to what, unfortunately. We will talk about the game today, but obviously, <laughs> there's, there's been a few <coughs> things happened this week. Uh, Mark Warburton, uh, was, well we'll go through for anyone who's been living in a cave on Friday night Rangers put out a statement which I had to say look as it was written by uh, a four year old after his first pint saying that Mark Warburton Davy Weir and Frank McParland had resigned Mark Warburton then immediately let it be known to Chris McLaughlin and to sent to several proxies that he hadn't in fact resigned what it appears has happened uh, in fact what has happened it's not what appears as we we brought you the news on the Twitter sphere on Friday night, is that the the agent approached the club on Monday and asked if they could trigger a clause in their contract for them to resign, which was agreed when they, along with a compensation fee, which was agreed in the summer, and uh, when they got their new and improved deals, that he was asking to trigger that. But would the club waive the compensation fee to allow them to go to another club immediately? Rangers, who pretty much, I think it's been made clear were. Kind of looking at ways to get rid of them anyway. Said yes, they would do that. On the Thursday, the uh, the agent then th- th- this was the decision was formalised on the Wednesday. On the Thursday, the agent then contacted the club and asked to rescind the resignation. Mark Warburton took training as normal and tried to to carry on as if everything was just the same. However, the board. Decided on the Friday uh that as far as they were concerned, no the resignations were accepted and uh, Warburton was to go. Uh we did discuss this on the pod last week. Cammy, your theory is that they heard the pod, uh, Warburton weird in McParland and knew the game was up.
0: I don't think it's a coincidence, David. We took, we discussed it on the Sunday, by the Monday they made the decision. And so did- it's quite clear. As I said in Twitter all day, the board at Rangers are just puppets, and they dance to the tune that hard and Hand play.
2: Well, I think that that's a a long overdue development, and one that one that we've been campaigning for for a number of years. Ian, you said last week that uh, we all said last week that oh. we thought he would go. Let's first of all talk about the manner of how he went, lads, and then we'll we'll talk about. Uh, I don't think there's much point us talking about whether we thought he should go. I think we made that clear last week. But we'll talk about his time and and whatnot. W- what's your feelings first of all, Ian, and then you, Cammy? So, so
1: I think I, I I got my cards on the table last week around opinion and what I thought. Um, I felt you know we've had the weekly patronising pish for a year, um, and so. Yeah, glad he's gone because we were crap and we've been going backwards. But you know, l- last week we compared the sound bites to Tony Mowbray. That didn't go down too well in some quarters. I think we were accused of dis- some disrespect. But it turns out it was actually worse than that. Just with the whole way the story went, I always thought Mowbray was—he was a fucking clueless dick. Let's face it. Mm. But he was a pretty decent guy. Turns out Warburton and his team were basically lying deceitful snakes, desperate for the exit door. And for me, that's how it's gone down this week.
2: Canny.
0: It's hard to really disagree with any of that. I think the the manner of how this is, this departure has kind of come about is now going to probably be the lasting legacy now of Mark Warburton and his backroom staff at Ibrox, which is really disappointing in David Wheel's case. Um, I think that um, when you consider if you were to go back in time to when Warburton first came into the club, you'd almost wait with anticipation on his post-match interviews because of how well he spoke. And I think probably the clearest indication of where that's went south is probably within those interviews. And now he sounds like he's getting, you know, lessons for Cathro and how to be able to try and hold post-match interviews. <laughs> so no, I think I think for me it's. Um, I think it's time. I, I mentioned in the pod the week prior that, from a from a development standpoint, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's been there with signings. Um, I think you've seen that in Philippe Senderos, um, his third high profile uh, signing in the last twelve months. And as far as I'm concerned, his third failure behind Barton and Crancher. So no, I'm, I'm. I think it's. I think it's been time to move on.
2: I think, though, that, as you say, guys, it, it left a sour taste in in the mouth of a lot of fans. Now, there's been some questions asked, uh, and I'm going to try and cover this in as, as much detail as I can today. People have asked, well, why was he allowed... I, first of all, I should say, I think that the Rangers both handled it correctly in the, the coming to the decision they did. I don't think he should be allowed to stay on once he'd intimated that he wanted to go. Um... There is now obviously this furore and argument about him saying, I haven't resigned, which I think may be on a sort of technicality. Now, this whole thing is posturing for, for money because it's quite clear that once the job at Forest fell through, um, he then wanted to stay and or be sacked, in which case he'd be entitled to a payout. Um, so really this is saber rattling. You'll start to see mud. In the press, uh, and Warburton, Weir, and McParland's aim with that is just basically they know they don't hold a lot of cards. Um, as somebody said, it's they were sitting at the blackjack table on nineteen, uh, twisted and got a ten. So what this is effectively is to to try and get a settlement, to try and get some cash, to to basically go away quietly, and that that's what you're going to see because there is obviously they'll say, well, we never formally wrote a resignation letter. No, but you intimated through your agent. And in any business, in any company, once you intimate to your boss that you're thinking of leaving, if the boss then does decide to get rid of you, I've seen this go to tribunals before, the tribunal tends to favour the company because you've made clear that you're not committed. So the wacky world of football contracts, that'll have its own thing. Where I think that the board made an error was firstly... The people have asked, why was Warburton allowed to, to take training and do a presser on Friday? Well, they didn't expect him to. However, everything takes a wee bit longer at Rangers than it would at a club where the decision maker was there, because everything big has to be approved by Dave King, and Dave King obviously is in South Africa, and is sometimes difficult to reach. And it means that... You know that it could have all been done and announced on the Thursday, but everything takes a wee bit longer with us. So you know the plan was to do it and announce it on the Friday, and then everything kicked off, and then we're left scrambling. And that's something Rangers have to look at: that either Dave King is much more readily available, or he cedes responsibility for the top and, and basically just has a Stuart Robertson there to say, you make the decisions and we'll review them and if you get them wrong, fine. But in this instance, that's what happened. It was the fact that processes at Rangers tend to be a wee bit slower than they are at other clubs and should be at Rangers. But I think that once they'd made the decision, uh, I I don't see that there was any way back. The fact that Warburton had been down south talking to Norton Forest, the fact that he'd lied about it, uh, during press conferences He was apparently away talking to a player uh, There was no trust left And also it comes down to the basic thing He didn't want to be there It was quite clear You could tell by his body language You could tell by his post-match interviews You two have alluded to that Here was a guy that knew he was on borrowed time He lost the support We talked about it Time Castle killed it because Not because it was a bad defeat But it was because it was a second time and we got worse. We didn't learn anything. We got worse. He had no idea how to fix it. He had no support at boardroom level and he didn't have the support of the fans. It was an untenable situation.
0: Can I just ask a, a question around this, David? Because I know that there's been obviously a, kind of, a lot of, of kind of rumour mill kind of going around with this. And, and by and large, the, the vast majority of it sounds true. The question I would have is whether or not in the discussions initially, probably from what I'm hearing happening on the Monday between the agent and the board saying, you know, Forrest have, have made an offer or blah, 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 you. What the decision process was then for him to, to leave. And by that, what I mean is because of, of the time frame that you're talking about here, and obviously Warburton still taking training. So Warburton and, and we are, don't turn up for training because of the press coverage that's obviously fallen up to a Scottish Cup tie. I think that would probably start to raise questions on its own. And then the press would then start putting two and two together and the story would have broke regardless. So I suppose my question really is that when we were then talking about what that conversation was with the board and when it was done, do you feel it was either a scenario of the board struggled to be able to try and get King involved in the decision-making process, which, given from what King's statement has said, is that the, the resignations were accepted on the Monday, suggesting me that King was involved in that, or was it the case that we actually put back to the management team via the agent see us through the Scottish Cup game, because the Scottish Cup, the game today was basically the biggest game in our season because it's the only trophy that we have any chance of possibly winning get us through that Cup, tie, and then as of Sunday evening and Monday morning you're free to go, and that was the expectation why they were they were training during the week.
2: Yeah, well as you say, there's a lot of rumour and innuendo out there about it, and I think that as far as I understand it, the the agent contacted the club on the Monday to say that they wanted to do that. Rangers dis- board discussed it among themselves, but to be honest, there wasn't going to need a lot of discussion, if you know what I mean. Um, they were over the moon, because it saved them a million quid. But the, the actual sit-down board decision when everyone got together and it was the Wednesday. And Yes, they continued to work, if you like, through that, but that's not unusual. I mean, anyone who's leaving a job, you don't just go in and say, I'm leaving. Well, very rarely do you go in and say, I'm leaving, and then just bug it off immediately. There, there is a process to go through, and during that process, you're expected to carry out your normal duties. Um, where the cat went among the pigeons was the notification later in the week on the Thursday saying, can we rescind this?" And as far as the board, I believe, as far as the board understood it, that they hadn't given an answer back at that point, so you can also understand why Warburton decided to come in and and make the, the make the trade. But it was clear it was coming to a head. The board then discussed on the Friday, but well, they discussed on the Thursday night. But they reaffirmed on the Friday the decision, and they then notified Mark Warburton. Um, and Frank McParland and, and Davy Weir. Uh it stems back to you know, the season we're having, the fact the board shared the club's disappointment. But as King alluded to in the statement, at the last board meeting they wanted to review the transfers. And has now become clear it was leaked, as King said, it was leaked by one of the three to Keith Jackson in the record it was then put as a very aggressive dressing down and it was put as a very negative thing. Whereas, as far as the board were concerned, this is going to happen with any manager. And we've talked about this before, that managers really hate being questioned, don't they? I mean, they really hate people questioning things like signings and whatnot, but the boards are within their right. And, in fact, I think it's part of their duty to say, wait a minute, we're not happy. You asked for this extra money for the likes of it Senderos. They never play. What's the script here? Um... And over and above that, over and above that, there were concerns about McParland and there were concerns about his recruitment and his conduct and more stuff may come out about that in the future. I don't want to speculate on on what that is. I'm sure people have heard the rumours themselves and it's, it's not unusual for Frank McParland to leave a club quite quickly. That's all I'm saying on that. It
1: fell on... It felt on Friday night as if it was a bit of a pantomime. I have to say, um, you know, you, you, we, we, you said earlier, David, about the the, the statement written by the four-year-old on beer. Yeah,
2: um, it was an atrocious I, statement, wasn't it? It was grammatically incorrect. Uh, it it was. It, it was just shocking. However, you know,
1: that that aside, if we put two things aside, that and the decision to let Warburton take the press conference on Friday. Which personally I feel was just
2: mental But Ian I don't think it was a case of a decision to let him I think he just went ahead and did it And that maybe does speak to some sort of dysfunction That somebody should have thought Oh wait a minute here he's going to go and do a press conference So you're right But um, I don't think it was a case that he consciously went Yeah go ahead and do that
1: And it's either, you know, and and if they did actually on reflection, the flip side of that, of course, is he's simply highlighting what a bullshit and lying sack of shit that he is. So, you know, I mean, I guess the the whole week, the whole actions through the week resign. However you dress it up, he resigned. They talked about it being, uh, you know, via uh, email as well. So effectively in writing. So resignation, withdrawal, an attempt to carry on. I talked earlier about insulting our intelligence. That's insulting our collective supports intelligence multiplied by 10. And just treating us with utter disdain. Also backs up for me that Warburton simply does not, did not get the scale of the club. With all due respect to Brentford, we are not Brentford. And, you know, you go into any Brentford fans' website, this is the kind of stuff that he was pulling down there as well. And, you know, showing his leg to any passerby. So, you know, for for me, there's a, I want us, I want Rangers, I want the board to take the words of Warburton. I want us to learn the lessons. I want us to move on. And by learning the lessons, that means we have to have a damn good look at ourselves. Who we appointed, how we manage all the points in King's statement, structure ourselves appropriately to get to where Dave King outlined that he wants to achieve. And frankly, I want no more fuck-ups from here on in.
2: Mm.
1: I think Ian
0: raises a good point around the fact that, yeah, you're right, I think Warburton's conduct, and I've said this before, is, is now probably going to be the lasting legacy of, of, of practically every Rangers fan now, but it's how he's conducted himself within the last week. I think the problem you've got here is, and there's another element in here, where um, he's surrounded himself by what I, I actually believe, in David Wheel's exception, probably pretty stupid people. He, he vehemently defended uh, McPartland um, and the press conference and the sign-ins, et cetera, as well. And I've got to assume also directly to Dave King and the board uh, in the last board meeting as well to be able to try and justify these signings. ins uh, He also employs an agent who for whatever reason, thinks that it's acceptable to go to your current employers to say, I'm going to new employers without any kind of formal formal contract or anything down that's documented, so that when the rug gets pulled out from under you, effectively, you're the last man standing. And I think that you're
2: that's 100% probably
0: there. what you probably saw a lot within the last few days within there. And do you know what? See, at the end of the day, um, Warburton can blame Rangers he can blame the board, he can blame whoever he wants. Fundamentally, this, this the fault of this lies his agents, because his agent has completely fucked us up. That's no concern to us, to the support, to the board, to anyone, because fundamentally he's made his bed now and he's going to lie in it. Because he made that decision to meet with Nottingham Forest um, and, and, and have clandestine meetings with them, as clandestine as it gets in modern football nowadays. But you're also then going to have to have a look at why Warburton then felt that this, this club now was going to be a stepping stone if he felt that he was going to go back into um, management at a relatively high level football club if he chose Nottingham Forest to be that club then he'll mend him because that obviously shows his decision making process and Ian alluded to that when obviously he's done it um, at Brentford as well so do you know what see at the end of the day he's made his decision there's been a number of, of idiotic mistakes that he's, he's in, included within his inner circle um, and without wanting to you know, Wish ill will in the guy He probably needs to really re- seriously reassess that In terms of his, his career from here on in
2: I think that he is He's managed now The biggest club he's ever going to manage And that's a fact And the problem that We are going to have moving forward Was a terrible, terrible season A, a litany of bad decisions That uh, will hamper us going forward for a bit, but it's not the end of the world, and that that was the thing we haven't lost a a great manager we lost a failing manager who was, he was going to leave one way or another, we said that last week on the pod and to be honest, his self-destruction and his emulation this week has basically saved us money my take on what will happen now will be, I would expect that he'll threaten legal action, which I believe is already in process, and then the club will say, Well we're not giving you anything, it'll rumble on for a little bit and then it'll be settled out of court. So it'll end up with something but not what uh not what he what he expected to get. Um I think that Mark Warburton's problem is I was really enthusiastic about it, we all were. He has great ideas, he cannot implement them. And unfortunately ideas without implementation are nothing. You can't can't achieve anything. There's no foundation to build on. And it's all right saying, I want us to play like Barcelona. But my nephew is eight and he would like us to play like Barcelona. Equally, he can't drill a defence either. And that is the drawback. And unfortunately for Warburton, at a club where there was such focus and such high levels of... um, at blame (laughs) to go about when things don't go well I don't think that he could cope with that. I also think he was dogmatic I think that he like Mowbray and you know I don't for a second regret what we said about that last week I think his principles overrode his common sense at times and the fact that Rangers were continuing to flounder making the same errors is something that no club can, can survive on at the end of the day if you keep doing what you're doing in any walk of life, you'll keep getting the results you're getting. And that's that's exactly the bind that Rangers found themselves in. So while the situation was a fuck-up, it had to come to a head. I'm glad it has. Uh, is it the ideal timing or whatever? Doesn't matter. It, these are the circumstances we find ourselves in now. And now we've got to, to try and move on, salvage what we can from the season. We're still in a position where we can go on uh, and... You know, we're still in the Scotch Cup We'll come at that in a minute We still are going for second So we can still hit the targets we set at the start of the season Now Moving on slightly Dave King has uh, you know suggested changes will be made And one of the things that's initially come out Is that the club is looking at a director of football um, Name Ross Wilson of Southampton Was mentioned as someone That they're looking at So that this possibly speaks to the structural problems That, that I talked about earlier on And they're looking at somebody who would do that. What are your thoughts on it, Ian? First, what what are your thoughts on moving towards that structure? I think, I think
1: it works in the continent. It's it's absolutely just normal practice on the continent that the director of football manages effectively football operations, and the first team manager isn't. He's the first team coach. And they get in someone to play that team's way. And if that person fucks it up, then they're out and someone else is in to coach the first team. But he's a first team coach. You know, football operations are effectively managed by that director of football. Mm. It's, it's poo pooed within the UK, largely because, A, football managers or football management has is, is been a bit of a kind of dinosaur business. Um, over the past forever Mm. Um, and it's going to have to take a high profile club to have the balls to just go and do it but not basically crap it if it doesn't work first time round
2: Mm.
1: so I mean bottom line for me David is I'm neither for nor against it I like the principle I want to see it work in practice if that's the route that we go, we go all guns blazing, Cam- and we make sure that we get a first team coach and not fucking Sam Allardyce or or whomever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can a dinosaur. We have to get the structure and the appointments right.
2: Cammy, is it because in Britain we are enthralled to this cult of the manager? You know, almost like the kind of. The, the club's daddy You know The all-powerful figure That gets to do Everything they want And get to Because as, as Ian says You don't get this In the continent I mean how many times We've seen Britain A new manager comes in So they immediately Sack all the coaches And he's allowed to bring in All these new coaches Because he's got to have His team He's got to have The people round about him Whereas abroad It's a case of you get hired to do the job and you work with the people that are there that the club want you, you know, like a normal business you would say in Britain it's uh, it's really only in the UK that we've had this, as I say, this this kind of deference to the the man at the top
0: I think if you want to look for an example for it, look how many British clubs still call the manager gaffer Mm. because fundamentally they create their own little empire and they're at the, the top of the tree and it's not to say that all managers are power hungry and demand control and all that kind of stuff. But you're talking about a historical legacy um, going back decades mm. where we, we we've you know we've seen clubs uh, live and breathe by one man. Um, and the problem is in modern football nowadays, uh, you don't have guys who will stick around at clubs uh, to to basically maintain that reputation. So Mourinho I think is probably the best example of that actually within the modern era. What, what I think is going to be interesting, though, if we do bring in a director of football or a technical director or whatever you want to be able to try and call them as, um, you're right, it's not, it's not um, really favoured upon by uh, British clubs. I think it's really interesting because if you look at a massive club like Arsenal, for example, um, now my feelings are quite obvious on Arsene Wenger, anyone who follows me on social media will know that, I, I don't understand as to why he's still on a job. However, Wenger potentially could be a good director of football, given the fact that he implements a lot of his own policies and rules there. But he's not, he's not at all close enough to the coaching to be able to try and get out the results that Arsenal need to be able to try and get. Where I think you've got a key difference with Rangers, Rangers specifically, however, is I would want a director of football to more or less have um, complete responsibility and accountability for transfers. Because where I think, as kind of just alluded to, Warburton's biggest failure has been on that front. I think he's he's spent foolishly. I think anyone who thinks that he's only been given 3.5 million to spend is is an idiot because he's been given a lot more than that. Um, but the director of football should be able to have a relationship with either a chief scout, head of recruitment, however we're gonna potentially restructure it and the manager to make sure that that is uh, an actual connection that what is happening there is a, is a uh, a conducive and productive relationship with results so I, I don't get as to how um mark warburton for example could go back to the board and say that his signings were successful and that frank department done a good job i don't understand that. any any form of modern workplace has an assessment and at that assessment usually your wages are controlled by that and therefore you have to produce your results. And if you don't do so, you don't get a wage increase. It's that simple. The problem you've got with this now is Rangers don't have this money to piss about any longer. And for me, a director of football should be able to come in and effectively justify those transfer signings as to whether or not they've worked. And if they haven't worked, explain why. And I think that was a massive question mark under the now previous regime at the club. Mm. I've got to go down the road as well, that if it's a director of football, that it can't be one of the old boys. No. can't be Alec McLeish, for example, because I, I don't know what qualifications he brings to that role. He's he's a football manager. He's not a director of football. And sometimes when British clubs have done this in the past, they've not been able to make that distinction. So I think exactly as Ian said, there's a big club uh, can do that. And if we're going to kickstart that ethos, then we need to get that recruitment 100% right. And the current situation that we're in at the moment fills me with a lot of worry about that
2: What I would say is that moving forward with a director of football, I like the idea because of all the reasons that you've just mentioned Uh, I think now that modern football there's so much to it that the coach should just be coaching the first team and there's another reason for it because Scotland fairly uniquely if a manager does badly then he's leaving and if a manager does well he's probably leaving you know, and you're going to have to change your manager every couple of years regardless, just because of the nature of being in a shit league with a very glamorous one down south. Now, people say, well, what happens then if the director of football, do you not have to replace him a lot? Well, yes, you do, but not as often because the whole point of a director of football structure is that you don't uh, change that football operation side of things that often, meaning there are less job vacancies that open up Whereas with a coach, a coach comes and goes constantly, as we see. So that would be my my reason behind it. But you're absolutely right. And that's why someone like Wilson seems to tick a lot of the the, the boxes coming from a very successful youth set-up at Southampton, an excellent scouting set-up. And they're a great example of a club that coaches come in and they had a coach who did badly, he was gone. They then brought in Pochettino, he did well, he was gone. They then brought in Koeman, he did well, he was gone. They've now brought in Claude Puel who's doing alright and the thing is that there's not any disruption to their use system, to their scouting, any of that stuff and it works very well and I think it would work well for us. Now moving on uh, to obviously what is going to be the talking point in workplaces and pubs and social media till it's announced, the next manager. Now, we we have had some early names mentioned. Um, as I said, we had mentioned last week some, we'd like somebody like Frank De Boer. However, the names in the Benton slip range from the likes of Frank DeBoer, but also to guys like Derek McInnes, Tommy Wright, and uh, Michael O'Neill, I saw quoted. There was rumours that Alan Pardew's agents had been in touch to offer his services. Now, those are the kind of perm options. The other... The other option is a temporary manager to the end of the season. Uh, The names that would be mentioned there were Alex McLeish and Billy Davis. And there is a very, very strong suspicion. This could be out of date by the time that you guys come to listen to this. And if so, I apologise. But there's a a kind of strong headwind by the looks of things that Alex McLeish will be appointed on a temporary basis to see the club through at the end of the season. Uh, Start off with you, Cammy. What are your thoughts?
0: I'm a bit mixed, if I'm being honest. I um, so the McLeish the McLeish speculation. Let, let's let's quell a few flames So The first one is McLeish was obviously at Ibrox today as a guest of um, of Sky Sports, but that was booked up. Um, I think it was 17 or 18 days ago that McLeish was going to be part of this. So I think that there's a lot of rumours being spread about because he's there. Um, basic football management. 101 is if you are unemployed, ramp up your media work because it's a great way of getting yourself back into the spotlight and then being able to try and find a club. Um, so I don't think McLeish did that with the intention of coming back to Rangers. He probably realised that Warburton was under fire. However, I don't think he had any idea of what was going to happen in this past week, much like none of the rest of us. Um, the, 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 the problem the problem you've got with, uh, with bringing in an interim manager now um, and then doing a, a, a replacement in the summer, if you will, is McLeish has got uh, you know quite a lot of, kind of experience behind him. He's obviously got existing connections to the club, etc. Um, this is where it becomes difficult because I don't want McLeish permanently. But let's say, for example, the best job, the best possible job that McLeish can come in now and do, secure second, beat Celtic in either one or both of the remaining Old Firm games, and win the Scotch Cup. Now that's his dream, you know, uh, scenario that could happen if he was to take the job on an interim basis. And what I would say to you is that if that were to happen, I can absolutely guarantee you that there will be Rangers fans calling for him to be reinstated permanently. Mm-hmm. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that potentially we could hire a, a replacement manager right now, a permanent replacement manager, and give him the rest of the season as a as a buy, because the leagues outside. Um, the Scottish Cup looks pretty uh, unachievable And um, and all we can do is solidify second Which I'm still, even despite today's atrocious display Pretty convinced that that group of players can achieve The problem you've got with that though Is you need to get him now And he needs to be available now And so what then in turn happens If you know someone was to become available in the summer And potentially could get him and it's a bit like, I don't know, you've got to back a horse and you've got to stick with it. You can't just, you know, change midway through the race. Um, I'm not overly sold on Murti, not because of today, because I think that the players have got a big fucking part to play and how dismal they've been recently. But um, I just don't know how to, I mean, he's, he's, he's virtually untested at the highest level. Um, and so from that perspective, uh, I would probably question how much he can bring to it and why unless he's b- boosting his own self-image, because I don't think anyone would be happy to see him get the job payment. Like, no. no disrespect to no, him, no. sure he's a yeah, perfectly absolutely. nice guy.
2: No, you're absolutely But yeah. we're,
0: we're, we're, talking, we're talking about you know some pretty fundamental wholesale changes that we have to bring in, including a, a complete change to the structures you're talking about. That is its own separate problem. You're also then talking about, or the board are talking about, being able to try and potentially bring in a technical director, a director of football, or however you want to dress up. Nothing wrong with that, perfectly acceptable. But that manager has to be comfortable working in that setup, and you know some of them aren't. And so I think that it's going to have to be a very, very careful selection. I think guys like Derek McInnes and Tommy Wright would come under those conditions, and I don't think would push back against it. McLeish, I'm not too sure about. It, it depends where he's at, you know, from a I suppose in terms of you know how much he actually wants it. Same thing as well Michael Michael O'Neill, because these guys are very experienced. Um, I think De Boer's a pipe dream, so I I think we can pretty much just forget about him anyway, because I do think he needs money. I do think he would want to bring his own staff, including his brother, which again, does that then mean that we fall back into this same roadshow that we've just had? So um, I I honestly think it's probably going to be McInnes.
2: That's that. Uh, that's if I had to back anyone now, I'd probably back McInnes Well, my thought on McInnes is go and get him just now, just for the laws um, of fucking up Aberdeen and then sack him in the summer. <laughs> just, you know, just just for a fucking laugh, that that would be my take on it. But I can understand why people would, you know, that's me spending Dave King's money. So you're yeah, fair enough. But I I would do that. But uh, Ian, seriously. What what's your take? Who who would who would you like to see come in? Who do you think it will be? Would you like a temporary guy? Is there somebody that you think's out there we could go and get now? what, what what's your thinking?
1: So apart from appointing any of us, clearly I think um, it should
2: be me and Scott. And I've said that for a while. And can you imagine? I mean, they'd have to shut the club down after a week. I accept that. But what a fucking week. It would be superb. Wouldn't I might that, even get a game at centre and half. You absolutely. You couldn't be any worse than Philippe Senderos, <laughs> which we will come to. But uh, go on. Joking aside, so I, I, although I'm not really joking, um,
1: it's so as soon as I again for the game, I watched um, uh, Alec McLeish post match. I would put my mortgage on him being. <laughs> I pointed I point until the summer. So would I, and
2: and I totally I, agree with you. I can't think of any time I've come in from a game and haven't and phoned the wife and asked her to record the post match because I wanted to see what a panelist had to say. I, I can't recall ever doing I, it, but I did that. Today. It, it's,
1: it, uh, and and even he even blushed, right? So, I mean, uh, ultimately, and ultimately, it makes sense because. We don't want to rush it. We don't want to fuck it up. We don't want to go fast for all the reasons, Cami you outlined. One thing McLeish is good at is getting a bounce from a team of players that aren't his yeah. and developing a spine really quickly. Mm-hmm. The problem arises with McLeish when he actually wants to build his own team. At every club he's been, that's when he fucks it up.
2: Motherwell, Hibs, Rangers, Birmingham, absolutely. So,
1: personally, I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with McLeish until May, as long as there's a new team and a new plan formulated. Because the fears that Cami has, I have. I don't particularly want to go back 13 years in time or whatever it is to when McLeish is bringing in Zurab Kishnishvili and fucking the guy from Yugoslavia, Dragan, whatever the hell his name Modanovic. was. Namuchi bring Namuchi back. What's he doing? He's, he's bro- in the Bulgarian he's in the Bulgarian first division. He's
0: there probably
2: a fucking UFC fighter, remember the building the cunt.
0: I could I could by the way he could do it he could do a job for us. Do you know I had a mate of mine who was convinced uh that Namuchi um played really well during Ramadan because his diet changed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I uh, well, you know, it to make as much sense as anything. I uh, listen. Anyway, sorry, I digress. No, here's the thing, right? I'm not excited by Alec McLeish. None of us are. No Angels fan is right. With the possible exception of Alec McLeish and his relatives, right? But hand on heart, does anybody genuinely think he wouldn't improve this fucking shower? I I I,
1: I tweeted earlier. I, I, I saw the for for once, Eyebrooks today. You were getting a, of, a a bit of mobile coverage. And um, there was a picture or that Willie Vast took of McLeish looking out from the, 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 the kind of commentary panel yeah, thing just that. after Borton scored, and I tweeted him immediately saying, "All he wants is five minutes without fucking defence. Yes. Five minutes, and it'll be immeasurably improved." So you know, so so so. To answer your question, Dave. McLeish till the summer. Happy with that. As long as it's no no more than that, in terms of beyond that, there's a you know I'm I'm a big believer in Rangers tend not to maybe with the exception of the likes of Linkwenn and Warburton, and they've been unmitigated successes. Clearly, Mm. we 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 tend not to look beyond Annie's land for a manager. (laughs) So I am a big believer in invite applications, see what you get. Yeah. Because I can always guarantee we'll get five hundred plus applications, and there'll be some gems in there. Mm. I mean, you, you you said earlier, you know, trying to build might be a pipe dream. Let's go and fucking ask him if we think he's if if we think it's potentially doable. I mean, his comments on TV over the weekend are: I'm not going to discount anyone. I did also have a joke last night, possibly after a couple of glasses of wine, about actually you know the last five years have been just mental why, why don't we just create real stability and go after either Alan Pardew Nigel Pearson or Reno Gattuso <laughs> some folk has, <laughs> so, some folk took me seriously fucking hell clearly I, I clearly I've just got no sense of humour and See, you know un, no funny bones in my body
2: Pardew's one of these ones that he's clearly got talent as a manager but is such an absolute throbber That it would be just, you know You'd look down at the dugout and think Jesus Christ Um, Nigel Pearson, again, complete and utter mentalist But the idea of him Dealing with some of our players Does appeal But by the same token, I would appoint you know Mike Tyson for that reason Um, Moving on then Because obviously, I, I agree I think that it will be a temporary manager And I think maybe by the time that this pod Comes to the ears of the listeners a lot of them uh, might be a wee bit clearer. But anyway, moving
0: on... David, sorry, David, just before we move on to that, and I just want to ask this other question as well, just if I can, really quickly. Do you think McLeish should accept the job in those circumstances?
2: Yes.
1: Ian? Yes, I do. Having seen that pre-match and post-match interview, I think he, he reiterated a number of times, Cammy, I'm a Rangers man I would take it It's, no, all, it's, 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 it's all about over, Doing the
2: right thing Over and Rangers. above that Over and above the romance Of it And the You know I'm a an Rangers man And they coming to help At the stage of his career That he's at Alec McLeish Under normal circumstances Does not get near a job Of our uh, Of our level And he knows it And Does he come in And then Have in the back of his mind Cammy's best case scenario And say right I think he backs himself to do well enough to to get the job permanently. Now we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, absolutely. But yeah, I I think he takes that job.
0: So so I think so uh, yeah. So I agree. I don't think if he was to be offered the job that he would turn it down. But the reason as to why I'm asking that question and and exactly as Ian pointed it earlier on, he has and uh, McLeish always starts well at clubs. And the thing is, though, that as, as the period that we're kind of talking about him coming in on a purely interim basis, that he's clear on that, is also at the same time that the real relegation dogfights start. And you also know that this guy's Allardyce, as we mentioned previously, is a brilliant example of this, of guys who have to come in to be able to try and potentially stave off relegation and then... Possibly rewarded the carrot and the stick at the end of it is potentially get the job permanently if if you know the goal is achieved. McLeish coming to us completely removes him from that process, which is why you know all these Rangers you know affinity aside. I'm wondering from a business decision as to whether or not. if he does that, he immediately discounts himself
2: Cammy, from any permanent job Cammy, at least until the summer. Cami, he's not getting a permanent job. He's he's been available for a long time. He's not on anybody's radar. It's, it's not an issue, mate um, nobody... No, that's
0: fine And as I say yeah. I think I think the reason being though If he knows If he's comfortable with that Then, you know what Grand, that's fair enough But I don't know If he would potentially angle To come back to full time No,
2: I think Oh, he would I, I, No doubt He would want the job permanently But I think you I think you can get into a situation Where you You know You take it to the summer And if it works out fantastically great You keep him uh, even then, it's only for a year. You offer him a year, and you just say, "Look, Alec you know there's a suspicion that you do well, and then fuck things up. So we're just going to offer you a year." So that that, that that terr-
0: that terrifies me.
2: That well, terrifies me. It could happen, but I do think that it's across that bridge when we come to. It. And I would say, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge Dave King fan, as as anybody will know that who listens to this pod. But one of King's strength is is he, he would be strong enough to still say, "No, you're going. You're not the right man." So I don't think that would be that would be an issue. Moving on then to today's match We're, we're fresh out so uh, Fresh out from it So let's uh, have a chat That was an interesting thing Graham Marty took the team today Only made a couple of changes for, oh, Before we get into this um, Billy Gilmer There was a lot of talk of him being in the squad um, For me There was some talk about this week It was more on a theoretical basis That a 15 year old uh, we, we shouldn't be picking 15 year olds Should we? No Good being. Um Well it depends. I no, suppose. no, it doesn't if, it, it if, doesn't if, it doesn't depend if he's pearly or not. We've got a duty of care to the boy. He's a wane. He should not be getting put into that environment. We're a club that looks after our children, unlike certain other ones. And Yes, he could go what? and be absolutely brilliant, but the kid's 15, it could have something that has a profound effect on him for the rest of his life. And people say, well, what if he's 17? And I agree, it's an arbitrary thing, but at that age, two years is a big difference.
1: So what I'd say is, if he was six foot, mature, you know, 40-year-old head on 15-year-old shoulders, and he's lying Messi, messy, I play him... But have you seen the fucking pictures of him? No, he's tiny. He looks about eight.
2: Yeah, I just don't like the idea of it, and I don't like putting somebody who's legally a child into... I, I think, as I say, we have a duty of care to the kid, and I know people have seen, well, he might head off, and it was a way of telling him there's a way into the first team. You can do that with a, what what I think is a stunt, and I, I would have thought... But it, it didn't happen anyway, so it's, it's more... It was more <laughs> there's going to be
0: plenty of meaningless league games for him coming up that he can play yeah, in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, pretty sensitive.
2: when he's 16 but not when he's he's, like I say it's an arbitrary thing and people say well what's the difference between playing him at 15 and playing him at 16 or 17 in the same way that you know there's an age when you can drink and an age and you can smoke because we have to set a line somewhere and and in this case that's it but anyway moving on to today's game couple of changes uh, to play Martin it was a it wasn't a great performance there was some good things right We, we made some chances again we should have scored more goals Defensively it was one of the worst performances I have seen and I've seen this Rangers team the last five years. I don't want to single out Philip Senderos, but what the fucking hell is that? I mean, honest to God, what the fuck is that?
0: I I think you need to right, first of all, I think you're being unduly harsh on the guy, right? And I'll explain why. Because see the bit when you have you gone have you been drinking before going on this year, pod? because because see the bit after he falls into that vat and robocop and then he gets hit with <laughs> a van to survive that and then maintain a professional football career actually shows the level or the lack of respect you have for him as a human being
2: no i think the guy is without a doubt one of the cleverest guys in the whole world because when he retires on his cv at arsenal AC Milan, Everton Rangers, despite having slightly less footballing ability as a golf bag from Greaves
0: he's a dream he's a dream pub quiz question and he, that's going to be the that'll be his legacy what player who also starred in the Goonies Played for yeah. AC Milan, etc. a pub quiz question no. in the very near future. The
2: guy looks like Les from Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, and unfortunately, he fucking plays like him as well. And today was just atrocious. And again, we saw the other side of it. Um, Andy Halliday, very poor again. Um, some people think it's ability. I think it's a ability, but also his confidence is, is completely shot. Um, defensively, we, we were very, very ropey. We gave away a goal early on, and a wee bit of praise because I think we all thought going into this game, Christ, if we lose an early goal, it could get ugly. But yet again, Kenny Miller dragged us out the shit, and we then went on the second half. Should have won more comfortably because we had several chances. Eventually, Waghorn got the got the winner, and we're through to the next round where manager elect, uh, manager elect, um, Eck got us a home uh, a home draw. And by the way, have you ever noticed the Celtic fans in their confusion? I always go, man, Sevko, I've been at home 50 times in a row. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. We're either five years old or we've been at home 50 times. Make your fucking mind up, you know? But um, one thing that I did notice today is that Morton had, like, three lone players from Celtic. Doesn't it seem that every lower division team we played over the last five years had three lone players from Celtic at any given time? And
1: one of them, you know, so apologies to the listeners for harking back to the fucking missing link philip sandros i'm not a fan i just uh, wonder
3: no, i
2: was just wondering just before you do it it's like how many youngsters does the do celtic have like 500 youth players at any given point i mean we we know that there are be reasons to, like they have a lot of wins around the place but every time we play they seem to have like, loads and loads of people playing it was just it was bizarre anyway sorry go on then, they like,
0: they like to give them solid exposure david yes Moving swiftly <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's,
2: uh, let, let's move the, off
1: on that the, one. The, you know, the, the, Philip Sendros was summed up for me in the second half when he ambled over, he probably thought he was sprinting, and he attempted to head the ball <laughs> clear. <laughs> headed it into, yeah, And I, when I say header, I mean, he maybe would do better with
2: here i yeah. don't know. But, but know from an, imp- skimmed a, a, off an his impossible head. angle he managed to head yeah. it perfectly into the path of the right into the, Mort- path of the Morton player
1: and uh, squared to eden nesbit on loan from celtic who promptly stuck it into outer space mm. um so i think yeah I, I think on on the on the celtic loan thing they, they you know They're clearly doing what we're trying to do, to be honest. Get all their players out on loan, get them exposure. Maybe at a slightly higher level, fine. He's fucking rubbish and he's going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. He'll end up at Edinburgh City or fucking somewhere like that. Um, But I think defensively today, utter shambles. Going forward, we were actually pretty good. Largely until it gets to Lee Wallace and attempts to cross it, of course. Mm. Um and then never gets past the first man. That's an aside. But going forward we did create to be fair, and I'm not often fair on us, but we, we we created chance after chance. So it felt anyway. No,
2: a second uh, half second half there was a twenty minute period where we should have scored two or three more.
1: Interestingly, after we went to four four two, just fucking saying Mark
2: Mm. But then, ah, well, you see, I thought that too, but what people were saying, and I didn't quite understand this criticism, people were saying, it left us so open, and I'm like, as compared to what, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you <know, laughs> been watching? The defence previously. Yes, like, yes it, it did leave us open, however, we were making chances, which was a step up. I will give Graham Murphy uh, a bit of praise here, because I thought that we were more direct today. And whether that came from we direct, that came from the players. We were
0: direct. I think, I think Heidman's making a big difference, I'll be honest. And I think that Mackay played well today as well. Uh, but um, I, I don't want to give too much praise against them because of the fact that we're, we're not playing against the most uh, difficult of oppositions. And there was a couple of times where um, a couple of Martin players had to pay to get back in after Mackay turned them one of them. He absolutely sold them an absolute beauty of a dummy. And the boy didn't know if he was if it was New Year or New York. Mm. Um, so I think yeah, we, we, we kind of looked impressive. The, the problem, the problem that you've got is it's been a problem for the last I don't know what year. We've got a back four it looks like they don't know each other like that back four. Looks like they've just turned up for a game together, mm. and they don't actually. And it's not until like the first twenty or twenty-five minutes that somebody actually says, "By the way, mate, what's your name?"
2: Well, Sendero because I keep
0: shouting, "Hey you!" for the ball.
2: Senderos said in an interview this week that they don't do the uh, Warburton and they didn't do defensive drills, and that they didn't do any op- or weren't given any opposition research. So, is that a, is that you two know you two have coached you two know your football? I mean, is that? a factor is it are we past the days certainly the evidence would suggest we are of, of watching it we're past the days of just turning up the Rangers we should beat them um, because the amount of time as you say our players look utterly clueless and baffled at the back is is constant
0: well let, let, let's let's answer that question really simply and this is probably um, quite uh, quite obvious when you consider where we are with Mark Warburton if that strategy wasn't working has he not had the time to change it and actually do opposition research and defensive drills? Because this hasn't been a flash in the pan. This has been for the last year and a half now that we've been like this. So I totally believe it, but then also believe that when uh, I used to hear about some things that used to happen under McCoy at the training. But at the same point as well, you can see, I mean, it's evident to you. You can see the four guys who are playing in front of Fodringham, regardless of who it is, look like they do not talk to each other mm. i mean it's bad i mean really but there is no communication whatsoever and actually this is where hopefully mcleish comes in you know in some sort of you know capacity he he would actually start to tighten up given what he's won as a central defender uh, and in his time and his experience with it. he should be able to get that in shape we all thought the same thing of david weir to be fair however that would be one of the first things he should be he should be getting back on point um but they're terrible they're, they're absolutely awful um someone in, someone on Twitter made a really interesting point that if, uh, if Warburton goes who do you think he would take from Rangers to go with him
2: strangely enough i think he would Nobody. take Kier- no i think he would take Kiernan. strangely oh, not- let's make that happen well the, the thing is if you look at his transfer look at the amount of guys that have been you know Watford Brentford Rangers. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it. It still wouldn't surprise me, incidentally, if he pitches up at Nottingham Forest in the summer, and it still wouldn't surprise me if he then came back and asked for, uh, you know, the, certainly Kiernan and maybe a couple of others. But it, it's one of the bizarre things because he continually talked up Frank McParland, and yet you look at our signings and it's like, wow, I mean, that's not a scouting network. That's that's a phone book that you've added people you've met into. You know.
1: I think it's um, defence today. Uh, so, so, so I, I wholly agree with everything that's been said there. You know, they, they look clueless together. They look as if they don't know each other. After 20 minutes, I'm looking at that going, fucking bring back Rob Kiernan because he's better than this shite. And that's quite telling.
2: Yeah. Um, I have to say, Senderos looks the worst out of a very bad bunch. He certainly looks the worst out of oh, that was, that un, was
1: Undoubtedly. Yeah. And for then, for the worst of the lot, To be telling us under the previous regime we did zero work on and it was a throwaway comment in the Friday presser. Yeah, it It wasn't wasn't it was just throwaway.
2: Yeah, it wasn't Uh, meant as a
1: dig. No, it was simply throwaway. We do no work in the opposition and we don't really do defensive drills. What proper professional football club and the planet does that? I mean, for, I, I've, I've said a number of times last week and this week that the insults to our intelligence and the, you know, f- support being patronised as a whole, there's another nail in the coffin. Mm. I mean, we are not Real Madrid. But even Real Madrid will do meticulous um, homework on the opposition and they'll do defensive drills. And frankly, that's why they're so fucking good.
2: Well, that, so... takes, us, that takes us back then, almost full circle. And that's good, because we're coming to the end of the pod today. Um, three pods in a week. I am knackered, you know. Uh, th- this, is, this is just too much for me. But um, circumstances dictated. But uh, let's wrap up then with Mark, Lib- Mark Warburton's legacy. Uh what is time meant and what we'll think of them when we look back in five years? Kick off with you there, coming
0: Um, the the semi-final win over the Bogtrotters uh will will never be repeated because of the circumstances of the two teams at the time. Um on a negative aspect it'll be it'll be the last week. It'll be how his departure was conducted, etc. as well. And I think the thing is um I think that most people, if he had come out and this had been done more graciously, I actually think most people probably would have accepted it to a degree because he could just have come out and said, look, this isn't working. I'm not capable of giving a bet, blah, 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 have you. Um, but because it was done so surreptitiously in terms of having meetings with Forrest and more or less, more or less just looking to, to, to create his own departure and work his own ticket, as has been said elsewhere, Uh I generally think it'll be thought of, on the whole, pretty negatively. I'd I'd always like to be able to look back at that semi-final fondly. um, But beyond that, that'll probably be about about
1: it. It's going to be a footnote, nothing more. Ian? Just on that. So, semi-final was wonderful, clearly. Um, But for me, probably wiped out by... The fucking debacle in the final. Mm. Um, I, th- I think this. What Warburton's time and Warburton Weir and McParland's time at the club. They came in. It was hope personified at the start. We loved it at the outset. Let's let's face it. We loved the football. We loved the sound bites. Yeah, it felt new. It, it was like it was a new shiny ball for the Labrador in the park. It was great, mm. um, and it was good for a few months. Past year has. Frankly, just been, you know, two or three games aside, just turgid crap with same old insults to intelligence week after week after week. I mean, I'd sum it up probably twofold: um, mediocre manager with ideas above his station, mediocre management team, pathetically shy, partner. The ways we need to learn the lessons, and we need to move, move on. To coin that phrase. And going back to last week's pod mm. um, we can even do a Tony Mowbray and we just take on the chin but frankly we're well read um, one last word from me on, on Davy Weir an um, interesting comparison earlier that Cammy made to Ali McLeish around he should be able to sort the defence I I expected better from Davy Weir A. as a coach but B. as a man and in the past week I feel let down by him, um, and uh, you know, and I think I don't think Davy Weir will be remembered particularly fondly out of all of this.
2: For me, uh, to go back a long time, um, the first election I was ever old enough to vote in was in 1997 when New Labour came in. I remember when they came in; it was full of hope and amazing sound bites, and it was very youthful. And then over time you gradually realised that it was all surface, it was all facade there was that fizz at the start, the momentum kept everything going and then just gradually it cracked and cracked and cracked until you realised there was nothing behind behind it and I thought of that this week when looking at Mark Warburton, he deserves credit for bringing back hope, and we discussed this last week, football clubs run on hope football fans certainly run on hope and the first few months were wonderful but round about November, December, that first flush went. Teams figured out how to play against us, and he never recovered. He never changed, because he was so in love with what he thought he was doing and what he felt he was. He was delivering when he never did, and there were intermittent high spots after that. You know, Hibs, Dundee, um the the Scottish Cup semi final, but the I agree the the semi final, good as it was, was eroded. Uh, you know, I've seen his beat Celtic. You know, uh, so it's good. But you know, there are other experiences to, to jostle with. The Scottish Cup semi-final really ended that chapter, and then when he needed to to reinvent the future, he failed miserably. And the problem is, I think that when you have a manager who wants to break all the rules, is after a while they realise why there were rules in the first place and why things are done a certain way. And like Le Guin and like Mowbray, he underestimated what you need to be able to do in this league. And no, it's not a league for certain styles of football, and that's just the way it is, and it's not going to change. And you either adapt yourself to those circumstances or you remove yourself from those circumstances. What you can't do is to try to just say, I'm going to go ahead and be what I am. Because that's what... Then you're just destined to failure. And he has wonderful self belief, but that wonderful self belief I think also translated in a stubbornness and uh, into an arrogance. And that arrogance has, has badly served us this season because the fact that he was defending the indefensible and on a weekly basis. Rangers the Rangers support aren't stupid. Demanding, yes. Um sometimes unrealistically so but we, we know what we're watching and because we all have histories we've watched better players than than these and better managers than him uh, we we know what we're talking about and at the end of the day Mark Warburton was a worthwhile experiment and he did some good things and I thank him for that because after that 6-1 from Motherwell was about as low as I think you can get uh, certainly apart from um, Valentine's Day five years ago it was as low as I've ever felt so I thank him for, for giving his back a spirit and giving his back our hope But it's a shame he's had to leave Under uh, this sort of cloud But all managerial careers End in failure don't they um, It's a bit like politics
0: Can I just put in the point there Davey And I think that you've kind of just You've kind of said it yourself there That I saw Warburton talking Kind of during the week about the fact that Waller Smith, and Smith said this before But he said that Smith said it directly to him the Rangers managers never really more than two or three games away from being sacked. Mark Warburton, for my money, never really worked under a massive pressure environment at Rangers because he had a very soft landing when he came because of the amount of turgid dross that we've been forced to endure from the players and the management immediately prior to him. Plus, he didn't have a huge expectation scenario from the support when we get promoted because fundamentally although some people kind of dreamt of being able to try and win the league and blah, 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 have you. Actually, Celtic being so outstanding as they've been consistently this season's actually slightly helped him. Because if Celtic had been poorer and we had been closer, but yet he's dropping points to everyone else, that actually would put him under more pressure. The problem that he's got now and where he's kind of been with us is that I don't think he actually generally does understand what the, the real pressure in Glasgow is like. Because a lot of the fans at the moment of Snow would probably still have seen him out until the end of the season. There wasn't protests like we've seen before outside the stadium and all that for Warburton to go. No one's no one's unhappy, I don't think really, that he's gone. I think people are unhappy about how it's ended up. But from a pressure perspective, I don't think Mark Warburton can ever turn around at any stage uh, in the future and say that the, the pressure got to him or that it was under too much of a constraint for him. Uh, because he, 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 I'm not saying he had it easy, but in comparison to other managers at Rangers, it was it was nowhere near the same.
2: No, I would agree with that. Okay, lads, thank you very much. Um, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, to tell you guys where you can get in touch with us um, if you want to have a chat. To us. and you certainly did last week, and um, I, and it was it, it was great to get so much feedback from the pod. I'd say it ran about ninety ten positive. And I'm always interested, as you know, lads, to hear, you know, that ten percent the negative um sometimes as well, but because it's nice to know that there are so many wrong people out there and it just reminds me that I'm best. So you know, please please do get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us heart and hand on Facebook. You can get in touch with uh, by following me. I'm at iBrox Rocks on Twitter, Cami is at beat that beat. Ian is. At Hog. and uh, we will happily respond to you um, if you've got a, a hot wife sent nudes is is our uh, our usual request. Although it has happened once, but but only once in the history of the pod. Um, difficult chapter, but let's face it, it's never boring being a Rangers fan. Uh, there's always something, and like I say, one of the great things about football is constantly resets so be it a new manager be it a close season it constantly resets and we'll we'll look forward to the next uh the next stage and, and we'll see what happens there um so to thanks to my guest then ian hogg thank you very much
1: we learn the lessons and we move on <laughs> cammy bell always a pleasure boys always a
2: pleasure uh, my name's david edgar i've been your host and i'll talk to you again this time next week cheers bye